Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. There are structured workouts, training plans that are really easy to follow, online group rides, and why not try a few races? You can also organize a meetup with a bunch of friends. You might just have to make your own coffee at the end. With Zwift, you can even listen to this podcast while you ride around the Champs-Élysées. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Right on. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, I've got two guests today. First of all, is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm pretty good, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pull you up there because, mate, we, I'm not a guest 100%. <laughs> I'm part of the making of the success story. and a, a co-host. Ratings I've heard... <laughs> We're dipping slightly, and I thought we better bring in the big guns. So we've brought another. Te- she's not a guest either. She's a team member, Gracie Alvin. Welcome, Gracie. Bonjour, everybody. Good to be back. Although I, I just clocked off, and you dragged me in here. I was eating my chocolate-covered rice cakes after a hard day at work. So no, I'm happy to be here. She's. Try- What's this business too about trying to keep healthy? I don't know. Oh, I there's don't know. no health on tour. I, I'm living the tour life at the moment. I'm going to need a lot of fruit and vegetables when I get back home. That's for sure. That's for sure. I feel we all are. Uh, quick question for you, uh, Gracie. Gracie, what a win, what a win we had today. First of all, how hot is this out there? As a rider yourself, how was it when you were, when you had to ride under such conditions? Oh, just today being in the media, I'm just baking. And, and someone asked me when I was waiting for, to interview some of the riders, how is this compared to the Tour Down Under? And I felt like this is actually worse. It's just like a, a muggy heat here in France today. I think in Australian heat, it's a lot drier, but at least we're not getting super sunburnt. So that's a huge bonus. But as a rider, gosh, these days are so tough. Me personally, I never dealt with the heat super well. So I think some riders out there, even if they did heat uh, training before the tour, they're just never going to cope with it as well as some of the others. Yeah, Maka, uh, the heat is affecting us all. But a Canadian one today under the heat. They're not known to be one of the warmest countries in the world. Yeah, no. Well, they get pretty cold in winter. <laughs> yeah. We know that. Yeah. Uh, but what a win today by Hull. Yeah, well, it was a brilliant win. And, you know, I think we all, Gracie, you raced many years in Europe and you know what goes into it. And so to see the emotion pour out of Hugo Hull, and there's a backstory. He, he lost his brother when he turned professional 12 years ago. And you said, Christoph, I missed it. He hadn't won a race until today. That's so exactly what he says in the interview we're going to play in a two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, I mean, everything is beautiful about that win. Well, that's what sport to me is what it's all about, is the backstories, it's the context. They're not robots out there. Sure, sport is entertainment, but they're real people with real lives. And that's what makes sport so exciting and interesting and relatable. I think there's so many viewers that saw that interview and and got teary and got shivers because we all have tough times in our life and we all have to overcome something at some point and to see a a hero do it on on a day like today I think that is much more moving and meaningful than just someone that wins all the time without a backstory. Do you think there's it's a really good point you make and one of our producers slash jack of all trades Roberto here and he's worked on a lot of World Cup footballs And the first couple of days, this is his first Tour de France, he couldn't believe the access that we get to the riders. So are we we lucky that we, in cycling, do you think that we get to see 
a bit more of that context, the backstory that you just mentioned, Gracie. And I guess this is more a question for you, Christoph, as we've both raced and I guess we've seen it. But for you, do you th- and you've covered both World Cup mm-hmm. and the Tour de France. Is it is that an accurate thing? 100% because the, the, the players in football in a World Cup setting, are you can't approach them. You just can't reach them. They, they, they're just not approachable. It's really hard to get anything out of it. And when you get something, it's, you know, 30 words. That's it. Uh, tennis is a bit the same sometimes. Mm. But uh, when you look at it here, the access you've got here and the emotion pulled out uh, today on, on the road. And we were lucky enough to be next to him when he was doing the walk uh, back, to the, back to the podium. And you know how much emotion was going into his head. And that's just, you know, for me, that's what the sport is. You're right, Gracie, but that's what cycling is on top of every other sport. And I tell you what, why don't we listen to him? You, the generous Barouder, you just won a stage of the Tour de France. That's simply the biggest moment of your career. True, I never win a race. So I guess it's the right place to win my first race. When I attacked, it was basically to set the table for Michael Woods. And uh, when I saw that they let me go, Mike made a gap. I just went all in, uh, full gas. And at the end, uh, I hang on, I hang on. I was suffering so bad in the steep climb. I know if I go to the top with 30, 40 seconds, maybe I could do it. And uh, I just went full gas. And uh, it was tight. It's still a long time at 30 seconds, but I never give up. And uh, at the end, uh, in the technical section, I gained some more time. And uh, when they showed me one minute, I was like, unreal, I'm going to do it. I was yeah, I was afraid a bit. I started to have some cramp and I was missing some food because I could not get the car for the last 60K. Uh, but I made it and it's mean a lot to me. I had one dream, win the stage for my brother who died when I turned professional and uh, today that one is for him. I worked for 10, 12 years and today I got my win for him. So it's incredible. I don't know what to say, just so happy. Congratulations. You see what we mean about the emotion in this and Maka and I, we were almost like we were shedding a tear. Let's, well, let's face it. You've seen me cry about <laughs> half a dozen times yeah. already. I don't think I've seen you cry, but you were close today. Yeah. I thought, oh my yeah, god! We I was getting relate. excited, thinking you were going to crack. Yeah. <laughs> we all we all relate to this. But uh, uh, Gracie, again, wh- what does this make to you? You're over the fence now. You're you're not a, you're not a professional rider anymore. Do you still relate to those emotional moments? I really do and I think I always will. One of my favourite things is to watch sport documentaries and that's where you see me tear up. I'll be bawling my eyes out from start (laughs) to finish from any kind of sporting related movie because it means so much to me. It always has since I was a kid and it always will in the future and I'm really grateful to be doing this job now. I loved being an athlete and I had my tough times as well as my good times and I tried to share that as much as possible but what I love now in this new job is I get to share other people's stories and, and bring out some of that emotion and that's really special and to get young people excited about sport and the overcoming and the the achieving but also people of any age to to feel something I think it's really something that that's what life's about I thought like she was like full stealth mode but now that I know well, there's a crack <laughs> and she gets emotional watching sports docos, I'm going to go in. Well, I'm, we, going, I'm going to try and get you're a going tea, to attack with a playlist. I've, I've got six days to go. <laughs> you go attack with a playlist. Is that what you're going to do? Attack by the playlist. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes, that's it. Well, you're it. the man. You're the music man. So I think you need to 
get some emotional driven music over the next week. We'll just plant it in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Let's look at the, the, the GC as well, general classification. So this hasn't changed much, but it changes a few things. First of all, Bardet popped popped out of, uh, of, of that day. Uh, are you surprised by the performance by Bardet? Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised he got dropped. Not, not that I expected it, but we saw Garrett Thomas getting dropped. We saw Yates too, Gracie. I thought... I thought he might have, okay, he got dropped, okay, he's going to lose a bit of time, but and I didn't see the end result, but he lost a couple of minutes at least, I think, uh, Bardet, so it's a bit of a blow, isn't it? Yeah, there's plenty, speaking of cracks, there's lots of cracks starting to form now in this GC at the Tour. It's the start of the third week. It's been a super tough two weeks of racing so far, no easy days whatsoever, and it's been a really hilly tour. I know that sounds silly to say the Tour de France, of course, is hilly by nature, but it feels like every day is almost a hilly day and they're really just digging in super deep now. We, I was hoping to see some fireworks from Boccaccio and from Vinegar today, but I think that they're climbing with such speed that you can't even take it in on camera. Like that, their speed, regardless of whether there's attacks or not, they're, they're popping guys out the back. And so... Pog didn't attack on that last climb. Did he not have the legs or was he outnumbered in the end and he, he didn't feel the... Have you seen the speed that Seb Kuss was putting at the front? Oh, no, I think he just couldn't. But we're talking he, about he just couldn't. <laughs> no, well, maybe, maybe that's the case. I think that was the tactic from Jumbo Visma. Sepp Kuss is an exceptional climber. In my opinion, he could be a future tour winner for America. Matt Keenan doesn't agree with me, so you should ask him about that. Damn. Uh, but, yeah, like... I don't think many people could ever attack over that kind of speed and maybe uh, Pogacar just thought that the climb wasn't long enough. Sure, it was definitely steep enough. Those last three K were over 10%, up to 18%. So, you know, the best riders in the world still aren't attacking there. That really tells us how tough the tour has been already. Yeah. Two minutes and a bit, two minutes 30 and so on, between the first and the second, between Vingegaard and, uh, and Pogacar. A lot of climbing still to go. Uh, but have we seen a certain limit of the Pog today or not? I think today we do. I think Gracie just summed it up. I think, yeah, it, it was the speed was too quick. You know, jacks aside, it, it was. Um, so, yes, I think now what it does is set it up for an all-out assault on what's to come in the Pyrenees. And we know we've got at least two monster days. Not monstering length, mind you, one of them at least. And that is what I think could be the most dynamic stage of the two, or the one that we sort of least expect. For sure, I, uh, I got to interview Michael Matthews at the end today and I asked him how he was feeling going into the, the Hortacam stage and he asked me what was that. So I think some riders <laughs> are blocking it out of their minds completely. They're probably only going to look at the road book day by day because it's so daunting to look at all of the tour stages up back to back. But that's, you know, there's still some decisive days to come. And personally, I'd like to see a little bit more fireworks again in GC. I don't know about you, Maka, but I feel like the tour's not over yet. I tell you what, someone that... Uh, surprises me and it's not Godu, it's Quintana. Quintana yeah. is going really well, really, really well. He, there was a day, he had a really good day about a week ago. They were in the hills and I think he gained a bit of time or he, he, he well, well, actually it was the day the pog cracked. Yep. He actually he was second on the stage, I think. Then he lost time the next day, but you're right, since then, he held firm today, he's held firm since. Yeah, I mean, these guys, and Garen Thomas is yep. another one. I mean, you know, let's not forget, you, 
we don't forget, but Garrett Thomas has won this bike race but and he is edging closer to that podium. It's spot. interesting that fact though, because when you look at it, Quintana has won a Grand Tour, he's been here almost forever. Garen Thomas has been here forever, but then at the top of the of the tree, at the minute, we've got two relatively newcomers in Venticoma. Again, the, the Pog has got it, like, won it twice, but he's young. So it's a bit of a battle of the young against the, the older riders, don't you think? Uh, for sure, and Garant Thomas has actually said, he's used the term whippersnappers and youngsters a few times, so I think they are, they're making a bit of a joke of it. It is the young versus the old in this tour, but it's it's really cool to see, and I think they're role models for both generations. I think that's really awesome for a lot of riders to, to look at these guys that are, you know, inverted commas, old, they're not old, but to, to be up against these youngsters is really interesting, and from a physiology point of view. Yeah, and, and what do you think Egan Bernal is thinking sitting at home i guess he's still home in colombia you know he's another superstar when he won what three years ago now four years ago almost we were saying he was going to win multiples and then obviously his terrible injury he's won the giro but what would what would he be thinking can you swear in spanish <laughs> yeah I guess that's pretty so. much it, what he would be yeah, thinking you know? yeah what do you think gracie i mean it's He's on his way back. He's training. We're, we've already seen. We keep getting little updates on, on social media, but he, he'll be desperate to get back here, I would imagine, next year. For sure. I'd, I can't speak for him at all, but if it was me, I'd just be incredibly grateful that I could be trying to get back there. So I think he's just using it to fuel it, his motivation. I think that it's not about you know having FOMO and wishing he was here and oh how would I go on today and all of that it's he's I, I personally think he's just super grateful humbled by that experience and using it as fire going forward. So now does he cheer for Garen Thomas or does he cheer for Quintana? That's a good question. Mm. Where where does his heart be? Oh, well how's their relationship I wonder him and Quintana I'm not sure. Like I genuinely, I think I've heard in the past, but I can't remember. So I don't want to yeah. preempt something, whether they're good mates or they're actually, <laughs> you know, frenemies or, yeah. or, or what. But no, I think he'd be, I think you, you cheer for your nationality, don't you, Gracie? I mean, when, when Cadell Evans was on the edge of winning the tour, I mean, it was quite interesting because you've got O'Grady riding for the opposing team who have the yellow jersey. And I thought, I remember we interviewed Stewie a few times. It's a little bit of an awkward position when Australian TV go to you and say, what do you think about this and that? And he, he, he said it really honestly. I thought it was really, showed Stewie's class. He said, look, I'm riding for my team. I'm paid, you know, X amount of money. I'm paid, you know, my, my wage for this team. But as an Aussie, he said, I'd love to see Cadell win the tour. But he said, we go to, I'm, I'm at war with him tomorrow and what will be, will be. I think it's a really interesting dynamic within teams, within nationalities. It's a team sport, yet individuals get the medals and the results. So I, I think that in general, you're going to be most loyal to your team and then you're, you want to barrack for your nationality. But within that, there's the complexities of um, being jealous of people that you naturally compare yourself to and you always compare yourself to your countrymen. And you go, oh, I was, you'll never say it, but oh, I was the best Aussie today. And, and, and <laughs> the Aussie cup. It's yeah, worth a lot. <laughs> it's, it's not a great place to be, but sometimes you just can't help it. And, and sometimes you really are happy for your countrymen or your teammates to be doing well. And other times, 
depending on your mental state and where your form is at, it's it's hard to not feel a bit resentful about it. So I find that super interesting. But, you know, in our little crew, we've got a papa bear, so maybe uh, Banal calls uh, Quintana papa as well. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. It's a, it's a, good, uh, it's a good point. Uh, let's take a little break. We, uh, we have recorded an interview with Lizzie Dingham uh, earlier on this week, and I think it's, it's important we play it today. Uh, very interesting. You know Lizzie very well before we play this interview. She's a real role model for, for women cycling, for cycling in general. I don't know her very well, but I know her well enough to have a good chat with her. And uh, it's, I think it's incredible what she's doing. And I got to ask her a few questions about being a role model. And she doesn't, you know, she didn't try to be a role model. She just chose what she, was right for her in her life. But I think she carries the, the responsibility of a role model really well. And she speaks quite well in the media about having a family and what that means to her and all of the support that she's she gets from her husband and her family and the team to be able to do it because yeah it's a, it's super tough to be a mum and and get back to fitness and get back into racing to be away from your child uh, to worry about crashing like there's just so many factors that go into that and I think she is an exceptional athlete but she's just taken it to that next level as a mother. Let's listen to uh, an interview Maka and I did with Lizzie Dangham earlier on this week. Maka here, we have a cycling royalty with us. And I'm not mincing my words. No, no, we, look, we've had a few cycling royalties, but a really special one here. Lizzie Dynan, the first ever Paris-Roubaix winner for women, of course, and amongst other things, of course, former world champ. What's going on? What are you doing at the men's tour in the TV compound? trying to add a bit of expertise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on maternity leave now, so... Um, not doing as much training, obviously, uh, trying to keep fit, but I'm trying to enjoy doing other stuff. And yeah, like I say, trying to pretend I know what I'm talking about on TV. Paris-Roubaix, let's go back to, to Paris-Roubaix. Uh, describe that feeling when you crossed the line and knowing that you, at that time, you just made history. Yeah, it was such a bizarre feeling. It's such a surreal feeling, you know, like sometimes you have these moments in your life where you're trying to take it all in at once and it's actually really hard. And it was a bit like that, but... It was just the feeling that the win was more important than me. It didn't matter who won it, actually. It was a win for the whole of the women's peloton. And I'd never won a race and felt like that before. So that was quite unique about it. Women's, the women's scene is, it's like it's got legs now, and which, which is great. And, you know, we've got the Women's Tour de France from coming up. Where do you envisage the next, in five years' time? What, what's your hopes for the women's peloton? Um... Do you know, I'd love to be in an interview in five years' time, maybe not having done the Tour de France. I might be a bit old by then, who knows? <laughs> but I'd love to just be asked about my performance, about my tactics. But in my position, often at the end of races, I'm asked about equality and political issues, which I totally understand. I'm happy to be a role model for it. But wouldn't it be great if I was asked why I attacked the yellow jersey or what our team tactics were or it'd be great for it to just be a non-conversation for it to be normal for it to be an expectation that women have the same platform as men but don't you think the Tour de France this year could actually change this this could be the time where maybe that pivot is made I think so yeah it's the biggest biggest race in the world it's global everybody's heard of it I mean I grew up in a non-cycling family but I knew what the Tour de France was so it's a big opportunity and I really hope that the the women's race showcases is what we're capable of and yeah I think it there's no going back now and you know we've had the women's Tour de France 20 years ago and it disappeared but I don't think society and the changes that happen in broader society will allow that to happen again.
And actually, sorry, what do you think of the model, the new model of the Tour de France? You said 20 years ago, it was a three weeks bike race. We, we, we've seen Gianni Longo and so on, but maybe the model wasn't right. Is this model now right? No, we still need a three-week Tour de France. Yeah, it's still possible and we're capable of it. I think what's important is that we have sustainable change. And right now, the women's peloton, we're getting so many more world tour races. And actually, until we have a couple of years behind us with the minimum wage where the peloton is developing and growing in depth i'm not sure that a three-week tour de france on top of all the extra world tour races is sustainable so uh first change was the minimum wage it allows everybody to be professional to train hard to to be capable of doing a three-week race and i think the long-term goal is that that you know that happens let's talk tactics how is that tour de france going to be won for the women where do you see it play out Oof. I think it's really interesting because I think it's kind of made up of like six almost classic stages and then you've got the Planche de Belfi. So it depends on whether your GC riders have any misfortune or make mistakes before the Planche de Belfi really. Do you have FOMO on the Tour de France? Clearly you're not going to be there. Uh, is that pinching a bit? Uh, a little bit, but you know, there's no perfect time to have a baby in any job <laughs> and uh, I'm just grateful that you know we're having a bigger family and uh, yeah I mean there will be more opportunities next year's the first Milan San Remo I would have hated to have missed that so we're at this point where I'm always going to miss out there's no perfect time. Trek has been really good with you uh, that's important for you in even the idea of thinking of having the baby and coming back was that important in that decision as well? Yeah, because you need 100% support. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of how my birth will go, what the baby will be like. There might be some problems along the way. Hopefully not. But you need a team that's going to support you and not say, see, we told you so. It's not possible. I know that they will 100% give me the time I need. Let's uh, switch to the TV compound. Uh, any, any thoughts post-career, whenever that may be, this is where you'd like to be because... I tell you what, it's a bit of a slosh pit here. <laughs> uh, yeah, the toilets need some work, don't they? Um, no, I, I'm enjoying it. And, you know, I think the closer you get to retirement, the closer you get to thinking about a real job. And I think this is maybe potentially not quite a real job. It's, not, it's, not. <laughs> it's a good gig, you know. You get to talk about cycling, travel around France. And, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, no job will ever compare to being a professional cyclist, and I'm aware of that. It's bad because I'm trying to convince my parents it's a real job. Yeah, you've no chance. You're on, you're, you're on a holiday. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. So that's Lizzie Dynam. Um, Gracie, let's, and Maka, let's have a look at the stage coming up uh, tonight for you in Australia. We're going to Paragud. Uh, and what do we know about the stage? It's going to be electric. It should be fast. It should be short. Yeah, this is the one, Gracie, that I think, and I'm only just because I... I I've been a bit like the riders, I, I, I imagine, not looking too much further than one or two days and looked at the book You're looking at today. the hotels. You're not looking at yeah, the hotels. Yeah, I'm looking at the hotels. And when I got the two-star, I was a bit... You might have to put a beep in here. Um, but 129 kilometres, three category ones. No oars category, but I don't think that matters. Summit finish. Historically, or at least in the last 10 years, 15 years, these short stages have been the most dynamic and on a lot of occasions have caused the biggest carnage and damage to the GC, to the stage. Will it be the case this time? I hope so, but I think everyone's just on their knees. There's just been so many breaks that have been forcing, forcing themselves to get away. I think today was fir the first real day that we saw the breakaway snap super early. Mm. It's usually taken at least an hour, sometimes two hours. So I think 
I, I agree with you though. I, I like the inclusion of shorter stages in these grand tours. I think that makes a big difference and it, it's more interesting and that's one thing about women's cycling that is different to men's cycling is that more dynamic, shorter format, less predictable and I think that's what we're hoping to see in that day in this tour. So how does the Pog win the Tour de France tomorrow? Okay. Well, he's got to drop him, doesn't he? I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny, but it, it, it's, it comes down to that, doesn't it? He, he has to drop Vinigo. Um, he, he's trying it a minute. He's been trying several times. I can't think it was one of, I think it was you that made the point, Christoph, in the truck earlier today. You said, what's, what's Pog going to do during the stage? And I said, well, he'll attack. He'll, atta he'll wait till the last climb. And you said, yeah, but isn't that super predictive? And I said, well, yeah, actually, you're right. And, and he tried on the penultimate climb, tried on the descent, and then he didn't try on the final climb, which we've just discussed. So, look, I don't know. I, I just wonder what they'll try and do with their teammates. As we're sitting here and they're packing up around us, Mark Soler, yeah. one of his key lieutenants, rode him past us. I'm starting to wonder whether he's made the cut or not, made the time cut. He was as sick as a dog out on the stage. Let's hope he, he has made the cut. But whether or not he's going to be any support for Pog on this stage, it's going to be mano a mano, I think. And we saw Micah had trouble today. And, uh, with uh, his bike. With his bike. Yeah. A little mechanical can change everything. Mm. Uh, and that is so important as well, I guess. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the reasons why Pogacha didn't attack because he was alone and there was three Yumbo guys there uh, once you know Van Aert came back on the, the this final descent. So I think that he just realised it wasn't a smart idea to go on the offensive because you just open yourself up to a bit of extra vulnerability. But Rafael Mark has been climbing super well, so I think that hopefully he doesn't have another mechanical problem going forward because uh, he, yeah, Pogaccio really needs him. Well, there's a lot to play for on the stage tonight. Thank you, Gracie, for joining us. And uh, thank you, Maka. No worries. This was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, same place, same time tomorrow. It's bye for now. Now that we're finished talking about cycling, for today at least, let's do a little riding ourselves because the fun never stops on Zwift. Training solo at home gets old real quick, but with Zwift group rides, events and races, you'll have plenty of people to ride and chat with to keep you motivated. Plus, it's got great built-in training programs tailored for every ability. There are even workouts that can be squeezed into 20 minutes if you're really stuck for time. On Zwift, traffic lights, stop signs, busy roads, bad weather, they all disappear. And each interval has the watts and rest periods dialed in for the perfect training conditions. To start riding and discover how Zwift makes indoor training fun, head to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for watching or listening while you're riding on Zwift. Ride on.